Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. They were snubbed by the NCAA just weeks ago. But Coach Kim Barnes, Arico, and her team didn't sulk or go through the motions when they were chosen to play in the WNIT. Indeed, they made the most of the opportunity given them. And Saturday night in the finals at Callahan Hall, they won a thrilling triple overtime game against Georgia Tech. It was a great game from a team that has a very bright future. Spring practice is quietly taking place. We know it's competitive and youth is being served. But that's about all we know. It's a very important spring for Michigan football. Shemi Schembechler doesn't seem to be too worried at all. He thinks that despite our youth, Jim Harbaugh has his team poised to do battle for, yes, a Big Ten championship. He joins me on our game day segment in just a minute to talk about that and what he's up to these days. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Coach Kim barnes Arico had been building up her program for six years now. When she was hired, many of us thought she would eventually make Michigan a perennial Big Ten challenger and a regular in the NCAA tournament. It didn't happen that way. But you know what they say, good things come to those who wait and work hard. Slowly but surely, Coach Rico is turning Michigan into a competitive program. This year, we stormed to the WNIT title after the NCAA overlooked us. Next year, this young team should be ready to challenge in the Big Ten, and yes, I expect we'll see them in the ladies' big dance next year. The future looks bright and exciting for the Michigan women, and we never pay enough attention to them, I'll admit that. But later this month, I hope to have Coach barnes Arico or one of the players on the show to talk about the thrilling end to the season and a run to the WNIT championship, so stay tuned for that. Shemi Schembechler knows Jim Harbaugh, and he certainly knows Michigan football. You would expect he would. After growing up hanging around the program, as his dad coached, and then spending 16 years in the NFL as a scout and talent evaluator, he joins us next to talk about what he's up to and where Michigan is headed this season. Here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us on our game day segment this week to talk Michigan football and much more, a name that needs no introduction to the Michigan faithful, but we'll do it anyway, Shemi Schembechler. Great to have you back with us, Shemi. It's always a great pleasure being with you, Mike, and I hope you're doing great this fine morning. I always get emails from listeners uh, asking when I'm going to have you back on the show. It's been a long time, but as always, the listeners want to uh, hear what you have to say about the current state of Michigan football, and we'll get to that. But first, uh, mm-hmm. let's catch up and refresh our listeners' memory memories, I should say, on what you're busy with, which is the GES Advisory Company. Shemi, tell us uh, a little bit about that and what you're up to. So, so really, Mike, you know, and we celebrated our two-year anniversary just two days ago. I actually launched the company on my father's birthday two years ago. And, and basically, the concept is nobody's really doing this within the recruiting space right now. Is I wanted to take 
my NFL scouting career that I spent 16 years as a scout in the NFL uh, working on uh, NFL drafts and evaluating players and projecting them on how they were going to help uh, each respective team that I did. So I wanted to bring that concept to the high school space. And, and basically what I do is every prospect in their families I'm fortunate enough to work with, I am literally breaking down their game film and writing uh, thorough and concise reports that uh, they go into pretty good detail, but yes, they're very concise at the same time. And we utilize that report to help those players improve via uh, watching film or working on position techniques or even off-season training so that they can improve as a player. And then number two, we actually put that report into a national database that gets sent to every major, every college football program in the United States. And that goes for Power Five conference schools, Division One, all the way down to Division Three and NAIA. And uh, in the two years that we have developed this concept, it uh, it's really caught on fire, quite frankly. I'm a little bit surprised with how well we're doing is we've actually uh, acquired 60-plus prospects already uh, across 13 states. And we literally launched uh, another kind of side program that, that basically got built out of that because of the interest. We're actually working with junior college players, too. And uh, I, I think there's going to be great optimism in terms of how we go about doing this going forward. But it's all based on the concept of we're going to watch the film we're going to write the report, and the great thing about it is, obviously, I know a lot of coaches in and out in different parts of college football. They love it because they know exactly what a player is, and it's going to help them not only recruit that player because they're so comfortable with where he is, but then it gives them some really good ideas about how that player needs to be developed once they come through the door. Does that make sense, Mike? It makes a lot of sense, and uh, for folks wondering – uh, about it. You have a great site, by the way, uh, www.gesadvisory.com, and we'll get that link up on our show notes page this week. On the site, uh, there's a lot of great information for parents and young athletes, uh, coaches. Let's talk about uh, the services. You, you, you just mentioned, though, Shemi, uh, that, that you mm -hmm. offer. Mm -hmm. um, four steps, evaluation, report, coaching, and networking. If you could just sort of walk us through each one of those, what that entails. Yep, absolutely. So I'll just t I'll give you what we do with a typical prospect, okay? Uh, once a prospect signs up, we, do, we actually go through a pretty thorough interview process, and it usually takes about 30 minutes. And we want to discuss the goals and aspirations of each player, but we actually create a focus uh, on academics. And so oftentimes, you have to combine the academic and the athletic components together in order to come up with a really concise report uh, that coaches really respect. And so, um, so we, we do that, and we'll get uh, – so if I can see the kid in person – which happens uh, more often than not, and that's via me and the partners, we're going to get accurate measurements of that kid. We're going to get accurate height and weight uh, measurements that are pertinent to his position. And then once we get done with that, I am literally breaking down their game film, like we said, write the report. We actually review the report with the player and his parents. And then we actually can send that report out to every college. 
And then once I can figure out where that player is and his skill set, knowing what the recruiting reality is for him, I'll make targeted calls to those schools. And uh, so we actually do a lot of following on Twitter and things like that because Twitter is the major platform that recruiting gets utilized these days. And anytime a player has a question about recruiting, if somebody reaches out to them, coaches are free to call me anytime. And uh, so it actually provides a network continuum uh, that we're going to keep up to date with those players. And so the other aspect uh, to what the business is, is uh, the recruiting rules as determined by the NCAA are rather confusing. And so I'm there and available to answer those recruiting questions uh, as it relates to the calendar, what college coaches can and can't do. So in essence, Mike, it's really a comprehensive program to really serve the best interests of all the kids, first and foremost, but also to really help the college coaches to find uh, the players that we evaluate and, and so that they're really comfortable recruiting them. Okay. And so it, it becomes a long-term relationship because my whole goal is once a kid signs up, we're going to see him through the entire recruiting process until we find the best school for them uh, in which they can sign a letter of intent and get whatever scholarship offers we can acquire for him. And basically, regardless of whether you're a freshman, sophomore, or a senior, we're going to help you through the whole process. And so it's that comprehensive, in-depth service that we think is very valuable. Uh, And I think that's why we've grown so fast. Well, as your dad used to say, the team, the team, the team. And with any successful endeavor, you need a great team. And it looks like you have an impressive group of partners on board at GES Advisory Shemi. Talk about some of those folks. Well, I will say to you, you know, when when we started, because obviously you need help finding players. Mm -hmm. And so I made it a very uh, good point to really identify guys that are really good coaches whether they are quarterback receiver specialists like Coach Ron Rosink, who's, who's arguably one of the very best uh, quarterback skill position, offensive skill position coaches in the Midwest. Uh, he's been developing his program for well over two decades now, and uh, he's a great coach. And so it actually works hand in hand uh, with his background and his network of coaches in college. But it's the idea that he does such a great job with his kids and really developing quarterbacks and other positions uh, that really attracts him. So he's kind of the model for what I'm looking for. And um, so we've been able to, and I, I, and I want to be able to have some coverage throughout the country. And so we've got guys like my buddy Larry Stevens Jr. who played several years for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he has a great – uh, network out there in D.C. and Virginia and Maryland as well to actually find players for us. And so he, as a former NFL player, uh, he's got innate respect amongst the college coaches and the high school community. So I'm just looking for really good people that have networks. And depending on where they're located nationally or regionally or what have you, where they can uh, go out and, and find these players and bring them into our system. Uh, those are the types of people that we like. Now, uh, last but certainly not least, we have an academic uh, component to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to serve those kids academically, whether it's test prep or study skills or time management. And we went out 
and got the legendary Shelly Kovacs, who had <laughs> been with uh, the Michigan Athletic Department, football department, Department of Kinesiology. And she's one of the very best in the industry, in my mind, in uh, really helping these kids from an academic standpoint. And uh, so to have her on board, I'm tickled to death. <laughs> and so it's been a great relationship since we started. She was one of my very first partners to come on board. And so we've been working together. We've had several kids that we've worked on uh, together, uh, namely like kids like Austin Stabler, uh, uh, who's up at Siena Heights. And um, so it, it's just been, it's been really fun and exciting to really work on a regular basis with really good people that have uh, really the student athletes' best interest in mind. Well, it seems like you've really hit on something here, Shemi, because there are a lot of young athletes and their families that could really benefit from this kind of service because, uh, as you well know, the recruiting minefield, very stressful, very complicated for families, isn't it? There's no doubt. And so our whole purpose, and this is from the GES football standpoint, is we really want to streamline recruiting for them. We want to save them time and money. And because I've garnered the respect of so many coaches at different levels throughout the country, uh, uh, when I can sit down and really identify where that player is and what his market is in college football, it just saves so much time and energy. And I like it because so oftentimes parents and they, they take their kids all over the country and going to uh, power five conference schools, when those schools have no intention of recruiting that kid, you just save all, you just waste a lot of time, energy, and money. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to save all, them from all that and to really bring a focus to what the recruiting should be so that, it, and it's still stressful, you're right about that, Mike, but to really cut down the amount of stress and to really uh, identify schools that are going to want to recruit those kids. Well, Shemi, as you mentioned, you spent 16 years as an NFL scout, and we know before that you were around your dad in the Michigan football program for years. Also, sometime as a financial advisor, now GES Advisory Company, and we can tell you love what you're doing. But have you ever yep. ruled out a return to college football in some capacity, such as maybe a recruiting coordinator? Well, I will say that I am truly enjoying what we're doing at GES, and I can see this working out over the long term. And one of the great things about it is, is that when I left the NFL, you know, you, you got to consider, Mike, you're on the road nine months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And it really takes away from the work-life balance that so many of us are looking for. And this is one of the main focuses of my business is to really cut down on that traveling time. Now, I do my fair share of traveling. I'm going to get in the car and do some traveling later this week. But I can tell you the dynamics of my daily uh, life, life schedule is extremely more manageable. And I have found that I've become a better husband, father, uh, better family man. And uh, GDS has allowed me the latitude to be able to focus on my family a lot more than what I did before. And uh, I can tell you, Bo and Millie Schembechler, they're smiling down because of that. <laughs> I, I, would, I remember you told me uh, several years ago that y your dad did not want you to get into coaching. And then when you told him you were getting into scouting, um, he wasn't so thrilled about that at first, was he? Oh, he got hoodwinked there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? At the time, when you're a young, scrapping football GA who is a football junkie through and through, and you're single, you don't have any kids, uh, we all suffered at the time. We all suffered from the same sickness, Mike. <laughs> and, and, and 
And Bo, Bo can get mad at me, but he couldn't stay mad. Does that make sense? Certainly does. Well, we're going to get the information up on the uh, the website or on our show notes page. Uh, outstanding website, www.gesadvisory.com. Our guest today uh, on the game day segment this week is uh, Shemi Shembeckler. And of course, we are going to talk some Michigan football. We can't let you get away without that. 14 Michigan Wolverines invited to the NFL Combine in Indy a few weeks ago. Is that remarkable or what? I think it's remarkable. Uh, uh, and, and I, you know, and I tell people this, this is a combination of an outstanding coaching staff that Jim, Jim has assembled in Ann Arbor. But I don't think we should ever forget that all those players were recruited by the staff of Brady Hoke. Yes. And I think Brady Hoke deserves, deserves a lot of credit for that as well. Because uh, you need players to develop players, and it really works hand in hand. And I think uh, Michigan is very fortunate to have those kids come through the program when they did. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we're looking for Big Ten championships, Coach Harbaugh. And I know he understands that implicitly. Uh, we just got to beat Ohio State. We got to contend uh, with the Iowas and, and the teams that we struggled with last year. And this offseason is going to be very, very interesting. I, I made mention this a couple of weeks back on another show, is that this is probably the most important offseason that Michigan has had in the last quarter century because we have so many new players that have to step up into leadership roles. And you're going to know me well enough, Mike, mm-hmm. is uh, the game is one loss up front, and that comes down to the defensive line and the offensive line. And for us to have so many new faces on the offensive line, I think that is going to be very pertinent and critical in terms of the success that we're going to have in 2017. Well, you're right. Up front is uh, always a concern, a lot of uh, young faces, but we're we're going to have to put some new people in the trenches this year. People around the program, though, excited about the addition of uh, Greg Fry to the staff. Uh, helping Coach Drevno up front. He's a heck of a coach, Shemi. There's no doubt about that. And he's been successful no matter where he's been. And the thing that I look at just from Fry's perspective is when he was here, he actually recruited some pretty good offensive linemen, two Mm -hmm. of which are playing in the NFL today. And one of one of them is Patrick Omame, and the other one is Taylor Lewan. Mm -hmm. So he understands uh, how to find uh, talented offensive linemen. Uh, and the fact that he's such a demanding, hard-nosed coach, uh, it's great to have a guy like that in the fold. But at the same time, you have to remember, Mike, one of the most critical factors of developing an offensive line and offensive line depth of guys that can play is experience. Mm-hmm. And experience is the one thing that we don't have a whole lot of right now. And I, I just think our learning curve is going to be a little bit steep early on but I think it'll work out in the end. As you mentioned, this is a very important spring um, on offense. Wilton's back. Uh-huh. Uh, really, uh-huh. his second year is uh, starting at quarterback. The running back stable is deep, wide receiving core, a lot of talent, most of it unproven, and we've just talked about that uh-huh. offensive line. Uh-huh. Some new faces. Uh-huh. Overall, uh-huh. really young unit, Shemmy. There's no doubt about that. But here's the other thing about it. You know, There's been some great teams down through the years that people – come into into that regular season saying that their lack of experience is going to be a detriment to performing at the national stage. And that's been proven wrong. So I'm intrigued uh, to see uh, how this team uh, comes together, especially early in 2017 through the month of September. 
and to see what the improvement curve is after they get their feet wet in their in those first few games. So we will see, Mike. I think yeah. it's going to be very interesting. I think it is too. You know, when you look back mm-hmm. a year ago at this time, we had no idea who the starting quarterback was going to be. I guess coming out of spring, we heard that Wilton was maybe ahead a bit, but we saw him get better and better as the season progressed last year. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on Wilton and the type of quarterback he's becoming, Shemmy? Well, I just think, you know, and I said this last year, I thought that he was about a, as poised a quarterback for a first-year starter as there was in the country. And I think his accuracy is good. His arm strength is good. And I think, you know, he, he had a couple tough games uh, late in the season. And I think a lot of it had to do with that injury. Mm-hmm. I think if we had had a healthy Wilton State coming into the Ohio State game in November, we would have had a a, a I mean a much more legitimate chance to win that game. Because that last game was not one of his better games, but I think that injury played a huge role in in terms of his performance. As he comes into this year, you know, that second-year curve for most quarterbacks is usually, uh, uh, especially for a guy like Wilton, who has confidence of having one-year starter uh, under his belt, uh, I think the improvement could be pretty darn good. But the key is uh, developing those young wide receivers and those tight ends and making them understand how important those route mechanics are and getting out of their breaks and how to find uh, – uh, zone holes to get open to, mm-hmm. that's going to be the critical factor. And I think it's going to be pertinent to Wilton and the offensive coaching staff to really see how that receiving core develops. At the same time, uh, we got to protect him at the, at the same time. And I think the best way to protect a quarterback is to have an effective running attack. And hopefully, because uh, I know Jim, he, he really wants to run that play action type system that if we can uh, assemble a, a somewhat uh, productive running attack, it's really going to help Wilton uh, with his pocket poise and patience and ability to make good decisions. Well, and that is one thing I hear from fans is a lot is that we're missing that stud, take it to the house kind of running back, uh, unless someone emerges from the group we have right now. Do you think we're looking at another season possibly of running back by committee, Shemi? It's certainly possible, but you got to remember this, Mike. You know, back in the days when my dad was coaching, mm-hmm. we had a lot of running backs that mm-hmm. ran that were very productive. We were productive every year, and we all—it was almost like those running backs were interchangeable. Yeah. The reason why we're so good is that we were we were so dominant up front on the offensive line. True. And so I I, I don't want to put pressure on the offensive line, but if we have a good offensive line, we're going to have productive running backs, regardless of who's back there. I think there's plenty of talent back there, quite frankly. If we can get, um, and, and his name eludes me, the running back that, that, that didn't qualify academically had to redshirt that's coming back uh, this year. Kareem Walker. Uh, Kareem Walker, exactly. I'm very curious to see how he's going to do. And I honestly believe that with the Evans kid and as well as the other depth that we have back there, I think we're going to be fine at running back. It's all what happens up front that's going to be key. Absolutely, that is the key. We've seen that for a, a few years now. You get the you uh-huh. get the big uglies uh, road grading uh, up front, and now that we've got uh, Coach uh, Fry and we've got uh, Coach Drevno, two great offensive line coaches. Uh, as you said, there, there's good, there's going to be a learning curve. It's, it's going to take time. Experience is the key up front. So uh, the good uh-huh. thing about that, though, Shemi, is 
our defense. Coach Don Brown uh, has to replace a lot of people, too. A lot of guys will be playing on Sundays uh, from last yep. year's unit. I thought it was interesting about a week or so ago, just before spring practice started, Coach Brown said, I don't think this defense is going to miss much of a beat. Other than that D-line, we're going to see a lot of new faces, but no shortage mm-hmm. of talent back there either. I, I couldn't agree more. And this is one of the things I've always... Uh, defense... Uh, there's much more of an intrinsic value to having good athletes that are tough, that can run, that are instinctive and chase down the ball. It's, it's not that uh, defenses need to be nearly as schematically correct as the guys on offense. We just have to have great passion and get 11 halves of the football. And so with Don Brown and the system that he runs, I think we're going to be very well endowed in our front seven, especially with our pass rushers. Um, I, I think we're going to be, and I agree with coach Brown. I think we're going to be fine on defense. So now I just think second year under Don Brown's defense, the players are going to be much more acclimated and comfortable in running that system. Uh, I don't see us missing a whole lot, but at the same time, you know, the best defense is a good ball control offense Mm -hmm. and they tend to play off of each other very well if they're effective. And my hope is, is that if we can run the football more effectively than we did, particularly late last year, it's only going to help our defense. And it's going to make them much more aggressive to play less snaps, to get off the field on third downs. And uh, I, I just think, especially when you consider the secondary that they have, they got a bunch of new guys playing the secondary. But the one thing that I know is if you have guys that are disciplined playing in zone coverage and we have good man-to-man guys on the corners, uh, that's usually a skill set that can develop quicker than most, particularly at the college level. I mean, I feel good about our defense. Well, last year when you and I talked in August when we were previewing the uh, the upcoming season, um, you said Michigan was mm-hmm. closing the talent gap with Ohio State, and I think last year's game in Columbus proved you're right on. Do we still have mm-hmm. some catching up to do, though, Shemi? You know, I don't think so. Um, I, I just think talent is talent. Uh, I think we're going to be very close next year with with the elite level of of the Big Ten Conference. So I I just think it's just a matter of experience and performance. Uh, The fact that we've got uh, a lot of our tough games coming through Ann Arbor next year, um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit optimistic in regards to how our schedule is being set up. We're going to have a couple tough games mid to late having, I think we go out to Penn state, don't we? Mm-hmm, I, I got to mm-hmm. take a look. I got to take a look at our schedule, but uh, uh, I think our home schedule is setting up a lot better this year than what it was last year. And I think it starts with Ohio state ha- having to come to the big house. That's uh, going to be interesting. Of course, the opener will be interesting mm-hmm. too. neutral site game with the uh, Florida down in Dallas. And that's, uh, yep. that's going to be a great way to start the season. Good test early. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Yes, sir. Well, fans are fans, and I hear from them all the time. And, of course, uh, they love them some Jim Harbaugh. Even after two years, I, I still think we're in the honeymoon phase, or he's in the honeymoon phase. 20-6 uh, yep. overall, but beat Michigan State last year. That was a, a big thing. But he's 0-2 against Ohio State. And sooner or later, Shemi, we all know that's got to change, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be great if it would be sooner as opposed to later, right, Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was funny because I, I came into uh, this test and uh, knowing that schedule, the way that it was set up, uh, I was nervous about our prospects and being able to compete for the championship. 
now that the schedule is lined up a little bit better, we ha- I think we have a better chance of actually making it to that Big Ten championship game. All right. Now, we could have absolutely made it last year. If we beat Ohio State, everything mm-hmm. would have worked out. But uh, I see us, and like I said, the way the schedule is lined up, we have a much better chance of uh, closing the deal th- this year as opposed to last year. Well, Shami, you've known Jim a long time. He's had success everywhere as a player, as a coach. And yep. it was only two short years ago, the NFL uh, types said he would never come back to college football, prove them wrong. And he really seems to be enjoying being back home, living in Ann Arbor, everything about the job, doesn't he? I, I certainly think so. And and I was, you know, not, I like to get a lot of credit, but there were me and many of Jim's teammates at Michigan, guys that are within the inner circle of Michigan football, the famous alumni that we have, the, the Bose boys and Lloyd's guys and all those people, we all had a certain confidence that Jim would want to come back. And I can tell you one of the perspectives that I had was the NFL, having spent 16 years in the NFL, there's great value if you're Jim Harbaugh and being able to come to a program to direct your own ship, to have autonomy with your own decisions that the NFL very rarely gets for a head coach. It just makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And for Jim being a Michigan guy and doing what he's doing from a recruiting and coaching standpoint, uh, I, I, I don't see an NFL team being able to offer the same type of autonomy and brand recognition, ability to go out and win championships. And the interesting thing is, if you talk to guys like Urban Meyer and Nick Saban and guys that could have gone to the NFL and decided not to for whatever reason, they're all there for for a reason. And the other side of the coin is, now I hate to bring up money, Mike, (laughs) but there's not going to be an NFL team that's going to be able to pay Jim what he's making right now. (laughs) Okay. So that's the other dynamic to it. And uh, we all understand that recruiting has become uh, difficult for college coaches. It's a 12-month out-of-the-year job. But I think Jim really enjoys it. And I think that's one of the major reasons why he's going to stay at Michigan. Now, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jim's shelf life at all the other previous jobs he's had has all been within five years or less. But I have a feeling that the Michigan job has certain aspects to it uh, that make it uh, a differentiating factor compared to what he's done in his previous career and previous jobs. Well, there's a whole lot of people listening this week that hope you're right about that. Well, mm-hmm. final thought, then, yep. Shemi, as we mentioned, uh, big spring for Michigan football, and it ends with a trip to Rome for the last three practices. What do you think of that Rome trip? <laughs> uh, that's Jim. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I, uh, uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, that that they're giving those kids the opportunity to go out there. But here's the thing. Somebody told me this, Mike, and and I think this is a very interesting point, is that the week that they're out there, isn't that finals week at Michigan? I thought it was the week after finals. Well, maybe it is. I I hadn't heard that. Somebody told me it's finals week. And if that's the case, imagine if you're a student athlete on that team that's majoring in mechanical engineering or any (laughs) of these tough majors, how in the world are you going to make that trip when you're in the midst of your most stressful week academic-wise at the University of Michigan? I'm just asking. 
I'm not judging, Mike. Well, that's an interesting question. Something tells me Coach Harbaugh has that covered, though. I think Coach Harbaugh has it covered, and I think President Schlissel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The whole thing is fascinating. I think last year at this time, we were waiting to see, hey, what's going to happen with the satellite camps? The NCAA was hot on Jim Harbaugh's trail regarding that. Well, we saw what happened there. Now I wonder... He's taking the team offshore. Uh, It's not Mm -hmm, spring break. mm -hmm. As we all know, there are plenty of other students and other disciplines and other studies at universities doing the very same thing. So what, if anything, can the NCAA do to uh, put the kibosh to this down the road? Well, here's the thing. Do you know who runs the NCAA? I really don't sometimes. The Power Five conferences. (laughs) (laughs) And all the teams are a part of the Power Five. And, and the reason why the whole satellite thing got so complicated and created so much consternation is that the SEC didn't like Harbaugh coming into their backyard. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why there was an argument. Uh, Nick Saban and all those guys down there in the SEC, they don't want Jim Harbaugh recruiting their players. All right. And uh, that's why they, they, they fought for that whole satellite camp legislation. Uh, but I just think it, it's going to be interesting because. When you look at uh, high school players and the mid-major conferences like the Mid-American Conference down here, Mm -hmm. you're putting them at a disadvantage when you don't allow satellite camps. And what Jim has done, he's really pushed the envelope to say, hey, we got the budget. We can do whatever we want. We can recruit however which way we want. We just had to think outside the box for something that the NCAA hadn't thought of. And it's basically created that consternation. But the NCAA has to be careful because the way the Mid-American Conference coaches and programs, the mid-major programs operate, is that their lifeline are these satellite camps. Now, they do it on a much more regional basis because they don't have the budgets to do it. But don't take that away from them because that has been a part of what they do for decades on end. Okay, Mike? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see if there's anything else that's done, but I guess we have to say never a dull moment uh, with Jim Harbaugh around, is there? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my guest today has been Shemi Schembechler, and as always, Shemi, it's uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. You're welcome anytime. Hope you know that. Thank you. Next time we talk, it's going to be about uh, the upcoming season, which, as you know, really isn't that far away. Let's enjoy summer first, though, but again... Thanks so much for your time, Shemi. My listeners always enjoy hearing from you. Thanks, Mike. And remember, the season can't come fast enough. You are right. All right, Michael. Have a great day. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, in a game that will be remembered as an instant classic, the University of Michigan women's basketball team used 27 points from junior Caitlin Flaherty, the tournament most valuable player, and 25 points from Hallie Thome to outlast Georgia Tech 89-79 in triple overtime to win the Women's National Invitation Tournament on Saturday afternoon at Callahan Hall. Flaherty had her 20th 20-point-plus performance of the season, going 8-for-25 from the floor, hitting four three-pointers, and making seven of nine free throws. Thome was 9-for-16 from the field and 7-for-9 from the line. 
She added seven boards and three block shots. Senior Sierra Thompson excelled in her final game in a Michigan uniform, playing all 55 minutes with 13 points, eight assists, and four boards. Sophomore Nicole Munger poured in 14 points, including two three-pointers and four free throws, and junior Jillian Dunstan pulled down 13 rebounds and had six points, three assists, and a pair of steals. Thome joined Flaherty on the all-tournament team. Flaherty averaged 21.3 points in Michigan's six WNIT wins, while Thome averaged 21.5 points and 6.2 rebounds per contest. Michigan ends the season with the most wins in school history, 28, a third-place finish in the Big Ten regular season, a first-team All-Big Ten selection in Flaherty, and the first postseason championship and first banner in Chrysler Center for Michigan women's basketball. Congratulations to Coach Barnes-Arico and her team. It was an absolute blast to watch them play this year. And look out, the best is yet to come from this program. In other news, Red Berenson said after the team banquet over the weekend that he is still undecided about whether he will be back next season. A decision should be announced sometime this week. The number 20th-ranked University of Michigan softball team earned its seventh consecutive shutout win, defeating Northwestern 4 to nothing to claim the series sweep on Sunday afternoon in front of 2,178 fans at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. The Wolverines have won 12 straight games and improved to 6-0 in Big Ten Conference play. Senior Megan Betza, who's 13-5, also earned her seventh straight shutout win, striking out nine Wildcat batters while holding them to just two hits and two walks. She did not allow a hit past the second inning, while no Northwestern runner reached past second base in the contest. The Wolverines, 26-7-1 overall, 6-0 in the Big Ten, will kick off a seven-game road swing next weekend, heading to Columbus, Ohio, for a three-game set against rival Ohio State. The series will open with a 6 p.m. slate on Friday at Buckeye Field. The number 22-ranked University of Michigan baseball team held Penn State to just three hits in a 14-1 win on Sunday, to complete a three-game conference sweep at the Wilpon Complex, home of Ray Fisher Stadium. The win is Michigan's sixth straight overall and fourth straight in Big Ten play. Through the weekend, Michigan finished the series sweep with 39 total runs and held the Nittany Lions to just nine. Additionally, Michigan held Penn State to just 18 hits over three games while totaling 38 as a team. The Wolverines will be at home entertaining Notre Dame and Bowling Green midweek, Then it's back to Big Ten play this weekend as the Fighting Illini are in town for a three-game set. Michigan is 22-6 overall, 4-2 in Big Ten play, heading into this week's action. Like us on Facebook at The Michigan Man and follow us on Twitter, also at The Michigan Man. If you get the show from iTunes, please remember to rate or review the program. That will do it for a busy and exciting week on the Michigan athletic scene. Again, at some point later this month, I'm hoping to have Coach Kim barnes or one of her players on the show to share their thoughts on a great ending to the season. I'll let you know on Facebook or Twitter when we get that lined up. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next week, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls 
at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!